Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Vaduba. I'm joined as ever by my good friend Steve Wiss. And we're also joined this week by a special guest coming up on the show as we have a catch up with uh, Henry from at Football in DK. We're going to be looking at Denmark, we're going to be looking at Sweden, and we're going to be looking at Norway this week. So lots to catch up on in the Scandinavian, re- the Nordic region uh, in the football world. Steve, my friend, how are you? Jonathan, I'm, I'm okay, thanks. I've uh, uh, been pretty busy recently, uh, had a lot on my plate, but hanging in there, as, as you got to sometimes. Uh, I'm doing okay. I hope, you, I hope you are well. Very well indeed, thank you. Uh, good to have a show this week, and... Um, for anyone who's been listening on Patreon, of course, uh, we have our betting preview, betting weekend preview show, uh, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast last week. So hope you enjoyed that if you're a subscriber. And if you're not a subscriber, feel free to check it out. Also got our 10 to watch there, plenty of other stuff. Uh, we're going to start this week, we're going to get right into it because we've got a big show. And this week we're going to start in Norway. Uh, for those who aren't aware, maybe since the last show, the last episode you might have listened to, um, last week there was no Elitserien football because we had the cup final, uh, the Norwegian cup final between Bordeaux and Molde. Uh, and of course, that's probably the best place to start. We had a round this week just gone, of course, uh, which we'll recap in a second. But um, Steve, first of all, congratulations to Molde, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Um, they won the Norwegian cup final 1-0 against Bordeaux, a 77th minute penalty from Sibert Mansberg. Uh, fantastic victory uh, for them, and do you know what? I uh, my my head was telling me that Buda Glimt would win the game, but I kind of had a gut feeling that Molder would take the trophy, and I think it's one of them. They've been quite sick of the sight of Buda Glimt in the last two years, Jonathan. They've lost the title twice to them. You know, any normal sort of uh, time span in Norwegian football, then Molder probably get two gold medals. Just booted them to have been exceptional recently, and they're probably a bit sick of kind of their European run as well, which even overshadows mold overshadowed Molder's excellent European run last season. I think they would have spent the whole of the winter d- basically working out how they can beat Buda Glimt, how they can knock them off their perch, and I, I think that's one of the reasons why they switched to a three-four-three tactic this season to try and uh, mix it up a bit against Glimt and basically to prepare themselves for this sort of occasion in a cup final against them. And they were the better team on the day. They deserved the win. They never looked like conceding a goal in that match. You can't, you don't normally say that against Mulder. It was a really good defensive performance. Ketil Knudsen admitted that Mulder were the better team on the day and deserved to win the, the Norwegian Cup. And I think it's fair over the last two and a half seasons now that Mulder do get another piece of silverware. They have been a strong team in this period. And, you know, especially on the day, they turned up on the day. So, so very, very well done to Erling Moo, who I think is a, continues to be an underrated manager to a degree. Yeah, we will talk about Buda uh, Glimt later because we have had a listener question as well. Thanks everyone to who sub- submitted a question to Twitter at Nordic Footpod. So thanks for that. But yeah, in terms of Molder, you know, you're right. They, you know, they've, they've not had the better side of it in the title. Uh, you know, the title race for the last few years, they've, they've got the better of them in that sense. Um, how big is this? trophy win obviously it gives them access to Europe as well doesn't it uh they were in Europe anyway so uh, yeah. it didn't actually the only thing it really affected was that um Lillestrom getting to Europe now as a result of uh, I think it was the semi-final win that uh, Mulder had 
But um, it's big for them, you know, to get a, a trophy. When you've got a good team in any in any form of sport, really, especially in football, there's only a certain window of, of opportunity sometimes, you know, to actually get trophies. And if you're not careful, you can end in, in, in sort of like a Spurs position. I've known many a good side down the years who you look back on them and think they were a good side, but they never won anything. So for Mulder, obviously they had the title in 2019, which is great. But I think they would have felt they deserved another bit of silver in that period, um, in this sort of period. And, and now they've got it. So it's big for them because, you know, in the league at the moment looks wide open. Um, they've not had the greatest start. So it's nice that they've got a trophy in their back pocket already. And it's great for them that they've beaten Buda Glimt on a big occasion. And um, you know, for Glimt, it's, it's, they would have loved to win the Norwegian Cup. I think it was their first Cup final in over 20 years. Uh, you know, logically, I think a lot did have them as favourites for that game. But Mulder really turned up on the day and, and crucially, you know, kept that clean sheet. That three three man back back line, I think, was important. And um, if they did create that tactic just simply to try and beat Glimt, then uh, it, it worked. Yeah, and as you say there. Um you know, Glimp won the title in, in uh, 2019. It's crazy to think now that they, you know, uh, won that title by 14 points against uh, Buda Glimp. It's, it's really crazy when you think about the, the turnaround since then, uh, Glimp winning the two, pre- next two titles. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, it's the first uh, trophy for uh, Mulder in terms of the uh, Norwegian Cup since 2014 as well. So yeah, sometimes you do get teams who are quite good but don't manage to get anything over the line. I mean, it's the second trophy for Erling Moe. He's been there. He actually replaced Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, when he left the role in tw- end of 2018, so you know, like you said, there uh, maybe he doesn't get. Would you would you say it's fair to say he doesn't get enough credit maybe for the job he's done at Mulder? I know they've had the money from Haaland, for example, when they sold him, and you know they've, they've been quite good in the transfer market, haven't they, in terms of getting money in? But let's just have a word for Olingo because um, yeah. you know maybe for those who don't know him as well, what kind of manager is he? Just just give us a little bit of a insight into Olingo and his methods. He's a good. He's a good man manager. I've always thought that, that he um, has a good relationship with his players. And I think he is underrated. I mean, on this podcast, I've always been full of praise for him. We've always been quite high on Erling Moot when others have been down on, on this manager. I think the problem is there's always been high expectations at Mulder, and rightly so. And he's always had you know one of the best squads in the league to work with as well. But you've still got to deliver with, with good quality players. And I think one... What it does show over the winter that he has, has obviously adapted his tactical style. He was always of this religious sort of four-two-three-one man, but to actually radically switch it up to three-four-three or three-five-two, it is now um, some of the time. Then I think it's obviously there's been a collective decision there in the coaching staff. To, to, they needed to mix it up after not winning the title the last two years. Maybe it was a Pacific thing to beat Buda Glimt. Um, I have noticed before where three at the back sometimes Glimt have had problems with. I, I think it has kind of cost them, though, in some other games already this season where the 3-4-3 three, three doesn't work against some of the other sides. So I'd be interested to see if he switches it back. They've got a lot of injuries now as well, a real massive amount of injuries, which is a big problem, including some long-term ones. And it's a good job they have a big squad. But Moo, I think you can't knock him. What He's won an elite Serian title. He's had two silver medals. They reached um, quite, I think, was it the last 16 of the uh, Europa League? Or was it even the quarterfinals against um, uh, Granada? Something like that. It was a late stage. He, he's not done a lot wrong. And now he's won a Norwegian Cup. I think fair play to this manager. He is a bit underrated. 
fair enough. Congratulations to Erling Moo and everybody at Mulder. Of course, they're going to be in Europe. And as you said there, they already were in Europe. So, you know, fair play to them. And, um, you know, we wish them every success because they've done, done pretty mm. well over the last few years, but not had the joy maybe that uh, Buddha Glimt have had and all the, all the plaudits. So well done to Erling Moo. Um, stick with Mulder. I mean, let's, you know, look at this latest round in, in Norway. Of course, we had a, we've got a midweek, we've got a double game week, haven't we, in terms of, from a fantasy point of view. Um, but there was a round of action that's just taken place. Uh, so I'll just read the scores out. Be very careful of my pronunciations here. Salzburg 1 odd nil on Saturday. Molder 3 Viking nil. Sorry, Molder 3 Viking 4, which is what we're going to discuss in a minute. Bolder Glimp 1, Lillestrom 1. Haugus 2, Christensen 0. FK Yerv 1, Tromsa 1. Hopefully I got that pronunciation right. Sound if you're one, Wallenger three, Godset three, Rosenborg nil, incredible. Hamcam nil, Arlison nil, um, and then we've got three more games coming up on Wednesday. We've got Mulder against Odd, Tromsø Wallenger, and Vikings from Godset. Now, Steve, let's start with that Mulder mm. defeat because we've been praising Erling Moon uh, for winning the cup, taking a bit of a battering in the hands of uh, Viking. Yeah, um, I've yet to actually fully watch this game, only the highlights of it, because it was on Saturday and I was out. But, um, I mean, I, I saw the score at halftime was 3-1 Mulder, and I certainly expected him to go on and win the game. But, uh, it, I mean, they were th- actually 3-0 up in this match. 3-0 up at home, and they lost 4-3. Like, that's incredible. Like, that, I've never... I mean, it's one of the strongest home stadiums in the whole of Scandinavia, and they, they blew a 3-0 lead. Um, there was a red card in this match which did impact it. It was 3-1. There was a red card and a penalty given. And I think that certainly swung the m- momentum back in Viking's favour. But um, Mulder won't know how they've lost this game. They, Like I said, they do have some problems with injuries right now. And um, Viking have to be taken very seriously. There's, there's been a few questions about Lillestrom and Viking this week. Um, and, and Viking, obviously, for them, the, the force is very strong with them right now. It seems like these... Some other teams are, are, are wanting to wanting to have a bit of uh, their share in the limelight as well. Kind of sick of Mulder and Buda Glimt winning everything or being in the top two all the time. So um, it's interesting to see. I never saw this coming, to be honest. I always thought Buda Glimt or Mulder really, or perhaps even Rusebrook could get in the mixer. But um, for Viking, this is a statement win to back up their 2-0 win against Buda Glimt. Two very, very impressive performances against the two favourites for the league. And... Um, I mean, to do it in this fashion, it's almost the best way to do it as well, isn't it? To actually uh, to beat Mulder this way, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, Viking top of the table, six games, five wins, one defeat, 14 goals scored, six conceded. Uh, I don't think many would have had to be top of the league at this stage of the season, you know, with six games out of 30 played. Uh, we've got a question from Chris Hilliam uh, at Footy and Ali Chris, previously a guest on the show. Thanks for your question, Chris. I'm going to go straight into it, Steve. Um, he asks, <clears throat> well, it's a two-part question. The first part I'll ask you now because it's relevant. Are Viking now favourites for the title? Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Chris, uh, for the for the question. And um, I've noticed some some uh, very good tweets and stuff from Chris recently. And he's been doing some analysis on on games. And uh, it was a, he was a great guest on the podcast before. And we'd love to certainly have him on a, again at some point. So um, yeah, it's a very good question. I, I for me, no, I still think Mulder. And Buda Glimt are the favourites because I just think they're the best two squads. But both have got certain issues right now. Mulder have got this massive injury crisis, and the three-four-three system 
at the moment. I mean, they've been using Magnus Wolf uh, Ikram as like a false nine as the striker. They've got Datro Fafana who's injured. I think he's back soon. But at the moment, unfortunately, David Datro Fafana, the Mbappe of Cote d'Ivoire, has been a flop. I've got to be honest. It just hasn't worked out so far. Will I'm not sure if he ever will come good. Injuries don't help. But look, if he's going to be this sort of sick note, they're going to have to get someone else, I think, to, to lead the line for them. But in terms of squad depth, I think both these two sides, Bodeglum to Mulder, are still very strong. But Viking now, for me, and, and perhaps Lillestrom, do have to be considered as title contenders because both them sides have got the massive bit between their teeth. Viking especially, I've noticed that they're very serious this season. I think they've got a real hungry bunch of players who are desperate to, to actually win the league. It's like a medal spot isn't good enough for these for these boys. They want to win it. And you can't knock that attitude, can you? And I think they're, they've started really, really well. They've got a decent bunch of fixtures coming up soon. They've beaten uh, Buda Glimt and Mulder. Um, so two really tough fixtures out of the way already. Uh, why why not go on? I think that in the first half of the season, they could be certainly leading the league at the halfway point. And then it's just a question of can they keep going in the second half of the campaign? Remember, they'll be in Europe as well. So um, very good times for Viking. I wouldn't have them as the favourite, but they certainly are definitely a contender now, Jonathan. Yes, David Datcher for final. The man, so good, you put him in your tent to watch twice. <laughs> Still not entirely sure if we're allowing that, but yeah, on patreon.com. He's not going to be in three times, I'll tell you that. (laughs) You're just going to put him in every year until you get it right, I suppose. Is that that the plan? I've got, honestly, I've got a horrible gut feeling he's a flop. I just think it's just nothing seems right about him. Um, well, he's in your tent to watch, so you know, let's you can't, you can't, I'm I've I've given up on him already. I really have no, 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 no. You're that means you're a flop, sir. That means you're a flop. He can't. If I am, a, if I'm a flop, then I'm a flop. Fair enough. <laughs> but I've, I think I've got him wrong. I really do. I'd like. I know. You know, when you just get a bad feeling about someone, I'm getting it. I really am. He no, needs to start that. coming. You tend to watch. You, you know, go and look at the Patreon. See what Steve <laughs> said about him. Because about Thanks. a month ago, it was a very, very different tune indeed. Um, goals from Casa, Brynhildson, Wolf Eichram. Uh, Lockberg, Barisha with a penalty and Tangan and then Barisha again in the 82nd minute in that match. An incredible result. Um, let's move on to, obviously, the second part of Chris's question, I suppose. Um, Lindstrom was the other part of his question. and you know, They had a good result at Glimt away. Uh, got a one-all draw on a Sunday. Um, I mean, I'll start with Chris's question and then you can sort of recap exactly what happened. But just, just for the second part of Chris's question, mm-hmm. well, it was actually the first part, but we're dealing with it in second. He asked, uh, basically, you know, do you consider uh, them to be title, genuine gold medal contenders? Lillestrup. Yeah, I think you have to put them in the conversation now. Not as much as Viking for me, but they've got an interesting blend of players. They've got some really good experienced guys like Helland and Yerman Assen. I've liked their transfer dealings with Akor Adams and Bridge Johnson has also come good for them with some some big goals. They've got a good manager in Gare Backer who had a great run at Sarpsborg before. Uh, he knows what he's doing tactically. And, they, you know, they play on this grass surface at Arsenal Stadium. They're the only real contender that play on grass, uh, if you, unless you want to put Rutenborg into the conversation. And I think that's an advantage for them. I don't think t- sides will enjoy going to Lillestrom and getting a result. Most of the league do play on artificial surfaces now. 
So um, I think that is a, definitely an advantage for Lillestrøm. They're physical, but they're also technical. And I think similar to Viken, there's quite a hungry bunch of players um, that they've won things before, but kind of want to prove a point again. And um, I quite like what they're doing. The goalkeeper, I must say, and I keep banging on about him, um, and I have done for a while, Mads Christensen, he's really an impressive goalkeeper for me. Made a massive penalty save against Buda Glimps at the weekend. He's come up really big for them at times. Against Hygerson, he won them the game. This is a top-quality young keeper. Uh, another one who uh, I've got him in my tent to watch. And this one is not... I've definitely not flopped on this one. I tell you, he's uh, he could go uh, quite far, I think. He's a big part of their, their squad. He has some um, a really impressive goalkeeper. And if you've got someone behind the back line like that, that he's going to win you points on their own. Um, I'm a little bit concerned that they maybe have looked out a little bit in some games. Lillestrøm, if they keep this up, they can certainly be in the conversation. Yes, and it was a, a brilliant ball in from uh, Asen uh, to Aiko Adams for the for the uh, Lillestrøm goal. Um, we did actually have two questions about Lillestrøm, so you kind of, I mean, I suppose you've kind of touched on. I think they were very similar um, in in terms of the nature of the question. The other question was well from Harry Nathan at Harry Nathan 404, another uh, loyal listener. Really appreciate Harry getting in touch. He's a Colchester United fan, which is uh, big. We're, we're local, we're local, mate. We're local, local friends. Um, but on his Twitter, he's been out and about. He's been at Moss FK and, and various places. Um, Harry asks Lillis for the title as well. So you've kind of touched upon that. I'm going to phrase it in a little bit of a different way, uh, Steve. Um, we see mention of uh, Acor Adams quite a bit on his podcast and on Twitter. Um, just tell us some of the key players at uh, at Lillestrøm mm. so far this season and how they're getting on. I mean, you know, his goal, uh, Adams was a brilliant, powerful header, wasn't it? Um, just tell us a little bit about the, the sort of key men for Lillestrøm so far this season. Because yeah. I remember going back um, a couple of years now, before they got relegated, you really did not like this squad. Um, you ridiculed them, and they've kind of they've kind of cleansed, haven't they, by going down to Obos and coming yeah. back? Yeah. You know what? How have they changed since they? came back because last year they had a good season and now they're looking even better what, you know what's sort of just talk about the evolution of the listener really. well getting the manager in was big guy backer uh that he was actually willing to manage them at oboss level is a big thing so he got them up that year and really that was just about getting promoted early last season he switched to a three-four-three system and since then they haven't really looked back the goalkeeper like i said christiansen is a big player at uh, the center back he uh i go ogbu uh, ex Rosenborg, I think for me is a crucial uh, uh, guy at the back for them, both in terms of physique and also how he reads the game and a bit of a leader as well. And then you've got these sort of experienced midfielders like Jermon Assen. I mean, Assen's a hell of a playmaker. I mean, if he stays fit and he has done it at Lillestrøm, he'll get tons of assists for, for, for them and also score goals. And, you know, you've got someone like Paul Andre Helland who's often injured or, or rested out from games, but he's always on the sidelines and a massive. Don't underestimate his influence in like training and tactics and um, sort of squad building and that. He's a, a really experienced head who and a winner as well. He's won a lot of uh, things. I mean, he once he said some ridiculous things in, in the past when he won titles at uh, Rosenborg, comparing like titles to the birth of his children and things like that. He um, but he, he's an interesting character and I think they've got the most out of him. I really like this Akor Adam signing because he gives them something different. He's um, he's fast. He's physical and he's young and he kind of is a bit different to a lot of the squad. And sometimes you need that 
don't you? You can't have everyone that completely the same type of person. And uh, he, he brings um, a lot to the party. He should have, I should have really had him in one of my uh, to watch lists. He was close. He was on the short list. Didn't quite make it. But, um, you know, Songdal last season scored 10 goals, five assists. I, I know a few caught the eye, uh, were impressive in the Obos League end last season. And sometimes you can sink or swim, can't you, if you move up to upper division? It's quite obvious that he could, he's easily got the class for elite Assyrian level. 22 year old Nigerian. Looks the business to me. Yeah, and it's interesting because they've had a sort of a quite a decent distribution of, of goal scores, haven't they? Fred Johnson mm. uh, got the winner against Haugesund, then against Arlison. They had two different goal scorers, didn't they? They had Peterson and Ibrahimai. Then obviously this week just gone, uh, Aiko Adams getting on a score sheet. As you mentioned, Asin. So you like they've got a decent, um, you know, they've got a, plenty of sort of contributors to goals, which is always important, isn't it? It's not just, it's not just one source of goals, potentially, uh, which is good. So looking good for Lillestrom at the moment. Only unbeaten team in the league and let's move on um because the table looks like viking Lillestrom and sartsburg sartsburg in the third they've got a game in hand as well uh 10 points but um Lillestrom on 14 points viking on 15 points but the next talking point i think that you want to raise is uh, a hell of an upset um and in fact it busted our it busted our weekend preview show isn't it as well one of our predictions but strom's got set three rosenborg nil what on earth has gone on here since I can't work out this, uh, Jonathan, because Strom's Godset have not looked good this season. Yeah, they beat Haggerson 1-0, but Haggerson haven't been very good. They got beat 5-0 at home to Sanderfield. How the hell do you lose 5-0 at home to Sanderfield and then beat Rosenborg 3-0 at home? <laughs> A Rosenborg side, by the way, who had not conceded many goals all season outside of Buda Glimp fixture. I don't get it. I, like... I mean, 3-0 is like a serious result. Well, it's not like a fluke. I think the XG was quite. I think the XG for Godset was below was below one. But look, <laughs> basically, embarrassing and shameful. That's what Jethel Rechtel said about the reasonable performance, um, especially in the first half. Said they were not at all on the field. They weren't ready. They weren't prepared. He took some responsibility for this. Um, questioned his starting eleven, and yeah, they missed a couple of players for this game. But I didn't see that coming from Rosenborg. They've looked quite strong, resilient this season, but that was pathetic from them. And I don't know what... I mean, they, they, the second half, they were better. I think if they got a goal early second half, it would have given Godset something to think about, but they never managed to get one. So I, I, I'm baffled by this one. There was just no sign of this result or performance happening. Um, what can you say? I mean, like, how? Like, you could have asked me this. I was really confident Rosenborg would at least draw the game i could have seen it been like a nil nil or even a one all but no way did i see them losing three nil bizarre yeah that's absolutely crazy i mean for, for god's sake uh it's only their second win of the season of course uh, they've lost three they were kind of near the bottom three at that point and uh you know like you said they lost five nil in their last game uh incredible really um obviously lost to yerv as well first game of the season uh are there signs of a recovery, maybe, for God's sake? Or is this a bit of a flu? You mentioned the low XG for that game. Shooting signs of a recovery? I mean, for the, I mean, it's big for them. Yeah, it is big for them. I mean, I just don't really get it. I mean, they dropped Fred Friday, which was interesting. Um, Friday has come under a bit of criticism for his lack of goals. Brought in uh, Salverson. And he didn't score. I think there was an own goal. And then Hover scored and Jack Ibalibo netted as well. I, 
I don't know. I just I don't know where they dug this. They they were quite. Um, they just came out of the traps really well, and it's a stadium where they can be strong at. It's uh, the atmosphere can be good sometimes. I, I never saw this coming. It's sometimes football just baffles me, Jonathan. I just like you feel you can read the game quite well or predict the game quite well, and. I would love to say it was just a complete fluke, but it wasn't really. It was a deserved win, and Rosenberg Rosenberg never showed up. And ah, I'm scratching my head at this one. I don't know what I don't know what to make head or tail of Strom's godsend, Jonathan. And they, I don't know whether to make head or tail of quite a lot of sides at the moment. I think there's a lot of random results in in the elitist area. Really, there's there really is some some strange stuff going on. Like um, there's not much consistency, and Godset are a prime example of it. Yeah, I mean, what, what do you put that down to so far? Because, uh, you know, if you look at it at the moment in terms of the, you know, we've had 42 games played out of the, the 125. Um, 2.83 goals per match we're averaging at the moment. What, what, what do you put this, uh, this sort of randomness down to? Because the table, like you said, you know, you've got Buda in fifth. Mm-hmm. Don't really talked about them yet, but we will. You know, you've got Arlesund above Mulder, for example. You know, you've got Sandefjord sort of mid-table. You've got Rosenborg 12th. You know, it looks, you know, Sarsborg third, like Vikings top. What exactly do you put all these crazy things down to at the moment? Is it just early season, early season sort of um, randomness, people figuring each other out, or I think it's the best explanation. What what do you put it down to? Early season, early season randomness is probably about the best explanation I could could give. But we've had five rounds. Okay, some teams have played six games, but. Only one team is without a win, and that's Christiansen. And only one team is still unbeaten, Lillestrøm. Now, usually by now, there'd be there'd be still more teams unbeaten, or and there would be kind of maybe two or three teams just mega mega struggling. But I mean, the only thing I can really explain is the three newly promoted teams, which we might talk about soon. You know, I did say watch out for the promotion bounce. That can happen. That's not unusual, especially when you've got a couple of sides who, you know, are expected to do reasonably well. But there's a lot of, I mean, like Sanderfjord, I, I, I can't explain them. How do they go from, you know, they beat, they beat Strom's Godset 5-0 away, but they lost 3-0 at Ham Camp. It's, it's, there's a lot of randomness going on with, with, with scorelines and results. And maybe it is just early season blues, but it is, it's very difficult to get a hold on, on a lot of sides right now. It, it really is, um, it, in terms of actual match results. It's, uh, I've never known anything. Usually it's quite easy to predict Norway in that way, but it's uh, reminds me of what Al Svenskan was like two or three years ago where anything were possible. Yeah, and um, yeah, just, uh, you know, in terms of that as well, like you said, um, you know, the best defensive record so far is, is the list with just four goals conceded in in, uh, in six games. Viking, best attacking record, 14 goals. Uh, worst defensive record at the moment, Halberson, 12 conceded in six, two, two per game average. Um, craziness, isn't it? And the lowest... Number of goals scored at the moment is Yerv, three goals in five games, but they're still mid-table. You know they've got seven points, so they're definitely getting some efficiency from those uh, those three goals. Um, less than one, well, less than one a game. But uh, let's move on. You wanted to talk about the promoted teams. Mm. Yeah, they've they've impressed me, and I've mentioned this before. Arlesund look a really solid unit under. Lazana Nielsen. I actually watched Hamkam Allison the, the evening game on Sunday. It ended nil nil. Deserved result for both sides. I think the XG was quite low, and and Allison are going to be a handful, you know, to break down at times. It's like watching Bran. It's like watching the Lazana Nielsen at Bran when they were just this robust side who would defend uh, strongly, 
and then you know tactically on the counter-attack can be dangerous look to target set pieces sometimes and you know they don't have the same resources as brand or the support that brand has or the expectations it might have which will help but i, I really could see allison being this sort of nightmare side to, to break down sometimes they, they, they go with five at the back on occasion and it's difficult i, I think they're going to be quite comfortably surviving this year under lazar nielsen himself ham cam have looked good as well at time only one win they might feel they should have more but they've only had one defeat as well and uh jerv or yev as uh as is the correct pronunciation i think isn't it yeah 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 but um look their home stadium is uh, a bit of a shithole and they're going to make the most of it. I mean, they've, they're unbeaten at home. They haven't really faced anyone good at home yet. But um, if they keep up their sort of uh, home field advantage, then they might, you never know, even have enough to survive. Ranheim did very well first season, didn't they? But I think in the end, Yerv will drop down. I've been impressed with their goalkeeper, actually. I think um, he's worth mentioning. Oystein Overright, he, he saved a penalty big match against Christians and he keeps making a lot of very good saves and um, yeah I think they're going to need him to keep being in very good form to, to do well but so far promoted teams have, have competed very well and it's not a surprise yet if they're still doing it in say I don't know by a dozen games then I would be a little bit surprised because that's when you can tend to get that promotion bounce wear off but so far fair play to all three of them for equipping themselves well at elite Aryan level Right, well, to be fair, um, that was another one of your tips this week. We, we had a poor, I mean, we praise ourselves when we get it right. We've had a poor week this round, I'm not going to lie on the weekend preview show. And we did have Ham Cam to win that one. Um, so we do have to sort of, you know, take the rough with a smooth. Not a good week for us. We'll dust ourselves down and go again. Uh, I'm pretty sure if we calculate the win percentage, we're still probably above 60% anyway. But uh, yes, not a good week for us on the weekend preview show, patreon.com slash well, I couldn't. I couldn't pick my nose this week. Yeah, well, like, let alone a winner. Neither yeah. of us could. So, uh, no, but um, tune in if you do like the sort of weekend previews. We'll have another one this week coming. Uh, before we wrap up part one, Steve, my boys, uh, lamentably, you know, it hurts me to even talk about this, but my boys, Christiansen, bottom of the table. One point, one draw, four defeats, nine conceded, four scored. I mean, Mm. Mr. Meat Man Soccer, what what is going on, my boys? After last season finishing sixth, did so well for so long, even were top three at one point. Tailed off towards the end of last season, three defeats in their last four matches, and they really started this one really poorly. Have missed What is going on with Christensen? Big problems, I think. Now, I I, I expected them to get a result against Hargerson. I'm not going to lie, and they didn't play that badly in the game. But, you know, another defeat against a side that had lost all of its matches is very poor. And if you look at the fixture list for Christiansen, they faced all three promoted sides already. And the other two are Sarpsborg and uh, Hagerson. So they've not even faced any of the really supposed better teams yet. Mm -hmm. So they're going to have to really start performing a lot better. Otherwise, they're going to be in massive trouble. This, we've, I've said it for years that one of these seasons they are going to get sucked into trouble in a relegation battle because let's not forget this is a club with limited resources. I think it's the smallest um, capacity stadium in the whole league. Maybe here is a little bit lower than them now, but 
you know, the budget here is not high. The managers work miracles and they've overachieved. Simple as that for, for, for several seasons. So we can't criticise them too much just for, you know, dropping down a little bit this year so far. I mean, I wouldn't write them off. I think they still think they're a resilient side and they've only had two home matches so far, um, of which, you know, they did get a draw in one of them. So and they are strong at home, traditionally on their own surface, artificial grass. But it's worrying, and they've got some injuries in defence now as well. I think uh, Dan Petrulustad, Deliu Coley's injured till in July. Uh, Sigurd Kavir has got a problem, and Andreas Hopmark also has, has, has got a recent injury. So they've got defensive injuries, which is a problem. Next match is at home to Godset. Godset have only won two away matches in the last, what, 18 months? So that is a very winnable fixture, especially as Godset are on the road in midweek i mean that viking so they could get them at the right time if they don't win that if they say they lost that fixture then well i think the alarm bells are really going to be heading uh, off in their in their heads then because uh this is a very worrying start yes the owls that's what their nickname is the owls with christians and bk i love their club crest if you haven't seen it check it out on wikipedia uh, just another reason to love them but this is their sixth season in the elitist area. They haven't been relegated since, uh, they haven't been in the second division since 2016. Funnily enough, Steve, <coughs> funnily enough, Steve, that was when we started this podcast. So uh, we've definitely been a good omen for the boys of Christensen, but could this be the year that they have a bit of a relegation struggle? Seems like maybe uh, at this moment in time, things not going their way. Before we wrap up part one, uh, final little talking point, Steve, um, I want to ask you about fantasy because mm. it's a double game week. And uh, I'm going to just basically start by asking you about a player that I want to get a bit of insight from you on. And that is the man who is scoring points for fun at the moment, Veton Berisha. Uh, fantasy legend at the moment, 17 points in the last round, 16 points this round. He's still got one more game to go. Um, I mean, is he the best value fantasy player at this moment in time, pound for pound? Well, he's a must-own player. For sure. I mean, he's got me back in contention. I'm back in the top 5,000 now because I used him as one of my uh, double captains last week and he scored something ridiculous, like 44 points for me in one in one round. So, yeah, he's, he's just... Um, he's a very streaky striker in that he gets hot. He gets really hot periods where he just scores goals. And he, he will cool off sometimes as well, but at the moment he's right in very, very good form and uh, he you can't do without him. Uh, the, obviously, they've had two double game weeks, which made it makes it easier for him to score points on. But um, you know, I think even after that, Viking have got some nice fixtures. I think they've got uh, Yerv at home and uh, a couple of other teams who are not so good uh, coming up. Like I said, they've got a favourable schedule. They've faced a lot of the good teams already. So um, yeah, Berisha is, is a must-have. He's he's not cheap, uh, but uh, he's twelve million. So. He's a premium player. You can't fit too many premium players in your team, can you? We can get him going for 12. But, I mean, he's owned by, I think, 60%. 60, let uh, just have a look, 60, oh, nearly 67% own him in the game. And it's just a simple case that you have to have him. Yeah, you do indeed have to have him. Uh, so, I mean, fans, in terms of fantasy, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you talked about it a little bit there. Don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add. If not, we'll move to part two. Yeah, there is actually a question I want to answer from, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce this, uh, Fjernatefs Ross. And his question is, what's your take on Bilborn's start at Sarpsborg? And I'm going to combine this with a bit of fantasy, actually, because they are third in the table. And I was looking, and I'm like, how can I get a bit of value here? 
on Sarpsborg. And I'll tell you who's caught my eye, and that is Guillermo Mullins. Now, he actually scored minus one points against Odd at the weekend. That's only because he missed a penalty. Now, if he scores that, he would have gone, I think, he scored 13 points against Tromso, and that would have got him to maybe, what, six or seven points against Odd? So, he's. this is a team, the system that Billborn is having at Sarpsborg, I've noticed the, the striker, Mullins, or whoever's playing up front, is getting the chances. Now, this happened at uh, Hammerby as well, didn't it? Like they, they scored a lot of goals in that team, or certainly created a lot of chances. Now, he's 8.1 million, Mullins, and there's a lot of other good strikers in the game that you might want to get in. But if Sarpsborg keep their good run-up, I think he's uh, someone you could definitely consider in, in the team. And also, from a creative point of view, uh, my guard's another one at 8.1 million, a midfielder who... Um, now, a lot go for Linseth in um, in the Sarpsborg lineup, but I think Mygaard is playing out on the wing now rather than more central, and I think he's getting a lot of uh, more chances, more more opportunity for assists. Uh, but in terms of the question, yeah, I think he's done at a great start. They're a difficult side to work out, but I think he's brought with him great positive energy, and uh, Sarpsborg are a bit of a dark horse to, to keep an eye on this season now. Yeah, I like that. And uh, looking at. Um... This listener question. Uh, he looks like a Hammerby fan going from his uh, his, his timeline. Fiona Tets Rus. So, yeah, no, thanks for that. Uh, great question. Uh, he's based in Stockholm, Sweden. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure if I was wagering, he's a, he's a, a Badgen fan. Um, and Billborn's side looking quite quite good there at the moment. They are, yes. Final question before we wrap up part one. Uh, we haven't really talked much about Glimt. Um, well, we've got two more questions, actually. Sorry. Um, First one, Steve, for you is from Austin. Austin at Austin RH17. What is going on at Glimp? Things have been shaky since the first leg against Roma. Can these problems be linked back to that incident post match? Now, before you answer it, we actually got an answer from another listener called Ivor Steinsvik at Steinsvik Ivor. And he said, yes, he agrees that it is linked to that uh, game. But he said that we are recovering now. So. Uh, I don't think he even follows us, to be fair. So I don't know how he's seen this question, but he is based in Buda. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts? Uh, I agree with Ivor, actually. I think um, you can look back to that incident and, and not just that, the schedule. I said they've had a brutal schedule. They've had some injuries. They've had the captain, uh, Ulrich Sultanus, is suspended. Uh, one more game and then he's back. They've got Tromso on May 16th round at home. Big Northern derby. And they usually beat Tromso in recent years. I think they've won the last five straight against them. So I think they can uh, get three points in that. And then they're only going to be playing once a week or, well, there's the odd mid midweek round, but everyone else is in the same boat then. And that's when Buda Glimpse start to come to the party. I actually thought they played well against Lillestrom. I've got to be honest, they dominated the game. Um, they had a lot of uh, shots and, and attacks. It was more the sort of Buda Glimpse that we know of. Um, it's just that Lillestrom got the goal and then the penalty save was big. It was a good good penalty, I thought, from Pellegrino. It was just a very good save. And had that gone in and made it one all about, I think, about the hour mark or 70 minutes, then they might have been able to win the game. Instead, they just had to accept a late equaliser. I'm not worried for Glimt. I think they're going to come back quite strong. Uh, it's still quite a, a really good unit. And I still think that they are the team to beat this season in terms of the title race. But they don't want to be getting too many more injuries. I'll say that. Yeah, fair enough. It's not been the greatest of season so far. And obviously that controversy, uh, congratulations to Roma. Some, I think some listeners in this podcast will not be congratulating them. But they are in the Conference League final, which which tells you at the end of the day, the level that Glimp got to, to be challenging them and beating them 
Um, yeah, good luck uh, to Roma. Um, final question, and this is the final, 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 final question for this part one. Uh, and it is a question about Eric Bottheim. Uh, at Reed Tromzo has asked uh, any questions on Eric, any news on Eric Bottheim. Uh, I believe that he's still under contract in Russia but cannot play. Should he return to the elite Serie if possible? Now, before you answer that, Steve, could you just give a bit of an insight? You know, who is Eric Bottheim? What's he done in the past? Because is he related to Tromzo in some way? Just for those who don't know, and then in give you an answer. Eric Bottheim was the top scorer last season. Uh, one of the top scorers in the Elite Serie last season for Buda Glimt. Um, I can't remember exactly how many goals he scored, but it was uh, quite a lot. And then they sold him to Krasnodar in Russia for, I believe, like five million euros. It was a real steal for Buda Glimt. He certainly wasn't worth that. But now, obviously, in the Russian situation, I don't know what the latest is with Botheim. A lot of other these players out there have been allowed to move back on or loans, haven't they, for now? Um, due to like FIFA regulations. Should he return to Elite Serie if possible? Maybe. I mean, he knows the league, doesn't he? Um, so I think he could certainly find a decent landing spot uh, somewhere. Uh, quite where, I'm not sure. Maybe back to Rosenborg even. Wouldn't be the worst spot, I think, for, for bot time. But yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm not personally heard any news right now myself. I mean, if he was to come back, Steve, uh, I'll add a question for you. Where would, he, where would you recommend right now, based on this table? Uh, relative to you know affordability, if he was to come back out, I, if I'm Molder, I'd make a move for him because they I think they need a striker, like they certainly need more depth up front anyway. So I think he would be a good fit there. Um, he could maybe do Rosenborg again, he, he, he came from their uh, youth academy, um, so that would maybe work. Those two clubs would, would kind of make sense for bottom. I don't really think he'd want to be. Mixing it with kind of mid-table outfits, would he? It's just someone that's worth was worth five million euros, so it's got to be some sort of decent club, hasn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. That is it for part one. Hundred uh, percent. Join us in part two. We will be talking Danish football with, for at football in DK, uh, and then we'll come back for part three as well. I'll be back uh, to talk about Osvenskan. So see you after this short break. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. And in this section, I'm joined by Henry at Football in DK. The uh, Super League and season in Denmark is reaching uh, a tense conclusion in many different parts of the table. So we thought we'd get Henry on to chat a little bit about it. How are you doing, Henry? Yeah, all good. All good. Uh, it's a Monday night and uh, just just reflecting on a pretty dramatic uh, last week of uh, of. Super League action, really, and there's a midweek round coming up, so the action doesn't stop. I actually watched the game with you um, on uh, Twitter Spaces, the uh, Copenhagen derby, when FCK beat Bronby 2-0, and I think we were discussing off-air that it looked like that was the title done. But since then, there, there's been some drop points for, for FCK, and their lead at the top of the table is just one point. So... Uh, what do you make of this title battle, Henry? There's not many games left now. I think it's three matches. Um, who who do you think is going to win? Well, at the beginning of the season, I, I, I called FC Copenhagen. It was basically a 50-50 between them and Mitchell, and I felt. Um, but I just thought that they had the edge. And uh, they started the season really strongly. Um, 
they, they came back from the winter break um, with a load of new signings. Um, it seemed like they were scoring goals. The defence was looking solid. They beat Mitchelland away 1-0. Um, very late goal from Kuma Babakar. Um, they beat Arborg away, who, who are um, playing fantastic stuff this season. They beat them 1-0. And then um, on the 10th of April, beat Mitchelland again, 1-0. And at that point, it looked like a done deal. I think I think they were nine points clear. Um, looking at the bookies' uh, probabilities, you know, we were in like the high 80s or low 90s that, that Copenhagen were going to win the title. So it looked like a done deal. Um, but since then, they've won, uh, going into the, the previous weekend, uh, they'd won once in four games, which was that 2-0 that victory over Bromby that we watched together. Um, and the only time that they scored more than one goal in that run was that, that Bromby game. Um, but they'd lost two and drawn one heading into the last weekend. And so going into the weekend, it was the, it was the reverse fixture. So the, the Copenhagen derby in Bromby. And, you know, once again, no away fans. Uh, Copenhagen 1-0 up, a uh, fantastic goal from Pep Biel. And going into injury time, it looked like they just needed to see the game out. And sure enough, Bromby pop up with a, a goal, Matthias Grev in uh, injury time, very well taken goal to make it one all. And so uh, another game uh, where FC Co failed to win and they now find themselves only a point ahead of Micheland, uh, but with momentum very much, uh, very much gone. And meanwhile, Micheland have won one four and drawn one um, of their previous five. So they're in red hot form. And, you know, looking at the running, both teams have three games coming up and it, 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 it's going to be hard to call. I mean, I, I think the probabilities suggest that Copenhagen are still um, still favourites, but it's it's getting closer to 50-50. And if you look at the, the look at the running they've both got, I would say Copenhagen probably have the harder games. Yeah, I think they've still got Silkeborg to play and uh, Silkeborg are flying, aren't they, right now? I was uh, just looking at their recent uh, run. And uh, like I say, who, who would you personally trust from this point on? Because it's still in FC Copenhagen's hands, but um, it, it feels like they can't, if, if they bottled, if they blew this, this is a hell of a bottle job, isn't it? I mean, it would be, it'd be an unbelievable story if they, uh, if, if from being, you know, 90% uh, on to win it, somehow lost it yeah you're right I mean both teams have to play Silkeborg um Copenhagen get to play them at Parken uh whereas Michelin have to go away but the other fixtures uh I would say um pro- probably edge it just in favor of Michelin so uh, man it's so hard to call um I think that we'll know a lot more from this next round of fixtures if Copenhagen can beat or um or, or better the result in midweek. So if they can beat Silkeborg um, and hope that, that Michelin don't beat Bromby, then I would say I would favour them. But if they drop points at Silkeborg and Michelin beat Bromby, I would say at that point, it's hard to hard to see them uh, rescuing it. So the rest of the top six then, and that's the thing, isn't it? At the end of the season, in this, you've not got any easy matches as such, have you? You're not facing a team that's in the bottom three or four. Everyone you face when you have this league split is is at least somewhat of a decent level, you would think. So the rest of the top six, explain the European positions as well. I know the cup final has some implications as well, uh, Henry. So um, how, how do you see that shaping up? Yeah, so, so, so firstly, that league split, I think, makes things really exciting because every game has, has, has it's felt like there's been something at stake. You know, even even games that, um, uh, that, that 
in a traditional league system, you'd think, you know, both teams are on the beach. There's actually still something to play for. So, you know, I think that's a real plus. Um, in terms of the European places, so in theory, how it works is first and second um, go into the Champions League uh, qualifiers, albeit at different stages. I think that the champions go straight through to the final playoff stage where they're seeded. So in theory, they've got um, uh, uh, close to a 50-50 chance of, of qualifying. So in theory, the top two get Champions League, third gets uh, Conference League, and fourth gets to play off against the top team from the relegation group for another Conference League place. Um, then there's a Europa League spot that goes to the cup winner. Now, Michelin are in the, the cup final and are strong favourites to, to, to win the cup this year. And if they were to win the cup, that would mean that Silkeborg, currently sitting in third place, uh, if the season ended today, they would go into the Europa League uh, rather than the Conference League, which would be incredible given um, you know they came up from the, the first division and they've probably been the the, the team of the season. You know they, they've they've certainly been the most exciting to watch and uh, they've really, I think they've really uh, changed people's perceptions of of what relegation team. Uh, uh, Sorry, what promoted teams can do when um, when uh, when they've got a manager who um, is full of great ideas and they've got a really exciting attack. Um, so yes, Silkeborg currently looking looking good for the, the the Europa League, and if that did happen, then fifth place would open up to be the the playoff spot. So in theory, you could have five of the top six all uh, qualifying um, for Europe, which would be um, an unbelievable turnout. It would, and just sixth place uh, would leave empty-handed uh, in that respect. So in the relegation group, it looks like Viborg and Odense are battling for that playoff spot there. Um, it looks like the game's up for Sondriyiske. I, I was, I don't pronounce that right. You, you know it better than me. And uh, Vele, uh, I'm terrible with Dan Danish uh, stuff. <laughs> but Vele, are you going to uh, correct me here? They, they look in trouble as well, but they're not quite dead yet. Do you see any twist in this relegation battle to come or not? Yeah, so I, firstly, I sympathise. Um, secondly, I've, I've had some very helpful people on Twitter tell me how to pronounce these. So uh, Sunayuska and Vila are both looking like, at the moment, um, relegation is is going to happen, unfortunately. I think what's been really sort of heartening, I guess, for, from both teams is that since the, um, since the winter break, they've come back and, and really shown a lot of fight you know haven't always got the results but um they've they've both looked like teams that really uh uh fighting for their lives and wanting to stay up so that's definitely heartening but yeah it's looking like the gap is going to be insurmountable for them um i think odense uh ob they've i mean they've been one of the kind of success stories of the second half of the season they uh they look really bad going into the winter break, um, and since then they've managed to uncover some some pretty amazing form. And I think that um, if I had to if I had to uh, pick them or Viborg to take the, the the top spot in the relegation group, I'd say that it looks like the momentum's with them. Um, they've got a, a number of players who've been uh, firing on all cylinders, so I would I would go for them for that top spot. And then. Uh, you know, if the season finished today and they took top spot, they'd be playing um, Randers in the playoff, and that would be a hell of a game. Both these two teams just look like the epitome of a mid-table outfit. I think minus one goal difference, naught goal difference. Both have had a lot of draws, and uh, a real. It feels like it'll probably go probably to the last match of the season there to determine that spot. There was a controversial goal, wasn't there, um, involving Viborg? 
uh, I think just tonight, Henry, I do believe. Yeah, so um, Vila were le leading going into injury time and had they managed to pull off the victory, um, firstly, it would have been very unexpected. I mean, V-Borg at home this season have been great, um, but had they managed to pull it off, there'd, there'd have been a four-point gap between uh, between Vila and, uh, and Arus um, and... The, those two teams are playing each other on Thursday. So that was going to set up a, a hell of a game. But yeah, 93rd minute, V-Ball got an equaliser. There was a definitely a handball in the build-up. Um, the, the, the question is whether it was a, a deliberate or a, uh, or an inadvertent handball. Um, and, you know, um, everyone has their opinions on that. Uh, the, 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 I, I think from a... Uh, from a rules perspective, they've they've looked to clarify that this season. And if the referee does believe it's inadvertent, then the ball can strike your hand and and play continue. So I believe that was the decision, and uh, it might very well be the correct one by the letter of the law. But I can understand why um, why Viola fans might be um, upset about that. Oh yeah, yeah, I can. Def I looked at that, and I can see why they why they would be frustrated. Um, I'd just like to remind the listeners actually that uh, you did a couple of great interviews, Henry. Uh, on the Nordic Football Podcast uh, this year, we did. Uh, you did. You did. Sorry, Vito Hamasoy Mistrati, the Randers captain, that was fairly recently. And then earlier uh, in February, uh, you had an exclusive interview with the Helsingor uh, chairman and co-owner Jordan Gardner. And um, we're going to just talk a little bit about the second tier now because the Garden has been anything but rosy for Helsingor. In recent times, it's been quite thorny and brambly, and um, I mean, they looked to shoe in for promotion and almost a certainty. But um, it looks that the top of the second division now is really close, Henry, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, I I uh, I, I remember Jordan saying, you know, it's an incredibly tough league. It's very competitive, and uh, so I don't think they took um, promotion as a as a given. Um, and yes, yeah, certainly since the league split into the promotion and, and relegation groups, um, it's not been a it's not been a great time for them. I think um, until this weekend just gone, uh, they'd lost every game up to that. So I think um, I think that was maybe four games, um, and uh, they managed to get back on the um, get get something in the win column uh, this this previous weekend um, uh, against Frederica. Um, or Frederica, even, uh, and yeah, the, the, they're now sitting in second, which would see them promoted. But you know, three points separate the top three, um, and then there's a, a, a fourth team um, who uh, are another three points behind. So with four games left, you know, it's still we're still in toss of coin territory because, as you as you pointed out, all these teams play each other, so uh, there's a lot of jeopardy involved. So um, yeah. Uh, be, if you, uh, I mean, I, I think whether it's Lingby, Helsingor or Horsens, I think all of them have, uh, have shown some great stuff in the first division this season. So um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see some of those guys up in the, the Super League next season. There's some tough teams to pronounce in, in, in Denmark, isn't there, Henry? This fourth place team, as you mentioned, Havidovra, <laughs> EF, Listen, we'll call them. And I... then... <laughs> yeah. I'm doing I'm I'm doing my best. I'm doing um I'm doing Duolingo Danish at the moment. So uh I, I'm I'm getting there. Um uh, but I'm not even gonna attempt to pronounce uh the team in fourth just give give me another few weeks of practice. The team in six here, Nikabing or Nishabing, I don't know how you pronounce them. Anyway, there's this 
three teams in the relegation group who have more points than them. So they certainly did well to get in sixth place, didn't they? Um, I mean, that that can be how it goes. You know, yeah. when you're in the relegation group, you tend to have easier games. So in theory, picking up points is more straightforward. But yeah, um, that's just how it goes. It's pre- right. Prediction time before we finish then, Henry. Name me the two teams that will go up to the Super League. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Helsingor and Lingby. Um, Helsingor and Lingby. I, I I think I'm. I think I'm. Just, I think I'm being influenced by the fact that my timeline seems to seems to pull up those teams more more than uh, more than Horsens. Um, but also, I, I mean, since I've been watching the Superliga, Helsingor haven't been there. So I, I think, from my perspective, it'd be nice to see a new team there, albeit. It won't be their first time in the Superliga, um, but yeah, that, that that'd be that'd be good. And um, Lingby coming up would give uh, a, a, almost a local. I, I guess that counts as a local derby. I think they're close enough for it to to, to count as such. So yeah, that's going to be my prediction. But don't hold me to it. Bit of an easier one then. The two teams that will get relegated from the Superliga. From the Superliga, I mean, I, I think that's a. I think it's pretty much a done deal now. Uh, I think it's Vila and Senegiska, um, barring a, an absolute miracle. I mean, there's, um, what is it, uh, 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 six-point gap and goal difference. Uh, I mean, Vila would need to essentially win every game for the rest of the season. Uh, I mean, it's not impossible, but... Uh, yeah, tough ask. It, yeah, it's a very tough mm. ask, yeah. I know you predicted OB for seventh, so now... The big prediction, who wins the Superliga from this point onwards? I've got to pick someone now. I'm going to go... I'm going to stick with my original prediction of, of Copenhagen purely because they've got a one-point advantage and they've got the goal difference advantage of, of nine goals. Um, and I think that... With, uh, I, I think that the, the games that Michelin have, are, they're certainly going to be tricky. You know, Silkeborg away... I could see Silkeborg getting all three points in that game. Um, I think that the fact that Copenhagen have have uh, have two home two home uh, uh, two home games as well. Yeah, I, 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 I'll go Copenhagen, but it's um it's going to be a it's going to be a close one as you can uh, probably tell. I like I do like that you're not on the fence, Henry. <laughs> I know a certain someone who would be on you, the fence. You didn't give me a chance to be on the fence. That's the problem. <laughs> I, I, I do know a certain somebody who would be on the fence potentially. So, uh, yes, uh, well done there. And where can we find you on the socials, Henry? Um, same old, just Twitter only at Football in DK. And uh, and yeah, you, you mentioned there were a few interviews over the season. Um, if you haven't listened already, go back and listen. Um, I I do my best to try and ask some questions that you wouldn't necessarily hear in like a post match press conference. So yeah, hopefully there's something there that will. Uh, give you some entertainment there you go absolutely do it and there's some great stuff not just from this season but from last season as well from henry well we'll have to get hold of you at the end of the season henry you'll have to do a a team of the year review things like that from superliga so uh, i'm sure we'll see you in uh, a few weeks time but until then take care yeah, cheers. I've, I've, I've held back today because there's lots that I want to save for the end of the season. But there's uh, there's been so many stories. So, yeah, let's uh, let's review in a few weeks and, uh, and, uh, and see whether I was right or not. Thanks, as always, for your time on the Nordic Football Podcast. Cheers, see you Steve. later. Bye.
Welcome back to part three of the Nordic Football Podcast. Uh, thanks once again to Henry. It's always great to have him on the show, but uh, it's always great to have you as well, Jonathan. And uh, it's your turn now. We're going to talk about Sweden. We are into round number eight is upcoming. Uh, a couple of games have already played uh, eight games, but mostly uh, it's seven apiece. And Hammerby are still top of the table, but they now lost for the first time against Kalmar. Malmo are up there. Icor up there, and at the bottom of the table, uh, Degafors have got a victory. Every single team has got at least one win on the board. So, Al Svenskan, uh, then Jonathan, a couple of big results recently. Hammerby uh, have lost though now. Yes, um, of course, we talked about, I think on the last show, we previewed the Hammerby Malmo game, which ended 0 0. Uh, and that was an interesting game. Obviously, first time that Hammerby have dropped points this season. Um, I felt that I felt that they were slightly lucky in that game in the sense that uh, Malmo had an injury, and that kind of to me I think that changed the course of the match. Um, but they got away with a point in that one. Um, I didn't really think they imposed themselves against Malmo, considering you know they were they're top of the league, they're flying. You think to yourself they want a challenge for the title. This is a great chance to sort of um, put your case forward for why you should be champions. I just felt quite a few of them. Hanabi players didn't really turn up. Um, you know, the likes of Salmani, Ludvigsen, you know, even Swedberg was quite quiet, I thought, on the day. Um, and and as I said, Joey Gerberg, actually, I thought he was really good the first 20 minutes for Malmo. And he got an injury in the 18th minute. And uh, I felt like after that, you know, Malmo kind of, um, they brought on a, a Bubakari and I just felt they lost the balance a bit and the game kind of petered out. Uh, they nearly scored just before that injury. Um, but from there, it kind of petered out that game to a nil-nil. So, that big top of the table clash, uh, as I say, ended nil-nil, but they followed up with a defeat, and it's um, to Kalmar. Henrik Riesdrom's tactical master plan um, has beaten them. That's the first defeat, and uh, you yeah, could actually you did a Y Scout blog on Kalmar recently, which kind of di- dictated this master plan that uh, Henrik Riesdrom has there. It was a very good. Read. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we you know. Um, we have a partnership with Scout, of course, thanks to Scout, And Kalmar's win there takes them up to seventh in the table. So, you know, I was a bit worried because um, I did praise them and then, you know, I wrote that blog and then they lost their next two games. They lost at Gifsundsvall and then they lost at home to Norshop. And I was thinking, well, you know, maybe I've, maybe I've jinxed them here. But uh, they've recovered quite well. They beat EF Core away uh, 2-1. They went 1-0 up. They went 1-0 down to in that second half came back with Stafson and Ron Mourinho with an 87th minute winner. And they followed up. Noah Shamoon has come into the team. Now, I think he was in my 10th watch last season. I have to double-check it. Uh, he's a youngster. But he didn't get much game time last season for Kalmar. But he's come up with a double a salvo in this match. And um, it's knocked Hammerby off their perch. I mean, they're still, you know, as you mentioned there, they're still, uh, they're still leading the way. But it's only by one point now. So, um, you know, uh, a bit of a surprise defeat, I would say. The big story in terms of the game itself, uh, Riesdrom changed his tactics slightly, actually. Um, and he got, he's been praised hugely for the way he changed his tactics. And he said after the match, um, we didn't reinvent the wheel, uh, but it's just that we've changed the f- uh, flexibility of the team. He said, if you look at world football, the best teams are flexible. And by our standards, we have good solutions for that scenario. So he's really... Um, He's really getting a lot of praise at this moment in time, Lewis, for the way he is tactically outthinking uh, managers like Marty Sifuentes. 
Could Kalmar challenge for the title? Uh, no. Long, short answer, no. <laughs> um, no. I don't think they, they've got the squad. Uh, I don't think they've got a striker. I like. I do like Isaac Janssen. I mentioned it in the blog as well. Uh, in the Scout blog, I said that Isaac Janssen, I quite like him, but I don't think he's good enough for a, a title-winning team at this moment. He's very young, but I think he misses chances. Um, so, uh, for me, no. But at the same time, I think that they are uh, they're looking quite good. Um, I think the biggest thing for them is going to be can they keep Henrik Riestrup? Because I, I, my personal feeling is if Malmo flopped this season, I reckon that they might offer him a job. I think they already did have talks with him last season. But uh, he said he wanted to stay with his family. But he did also say he wants to, he wants to manage a top offence game club at some point before going abroad. Mm. I've got a feeling, Steve, that if he keeps this going... I think all the big clubs will be looking, even Diff maybe, because there's a bit of, um, you know, AFK Otterburg as well. That, that there's a little bit of manager uncertainty at the moment already. I think that the next big club that fires their manager will be looking directly at Henrik Riesdom. Interesting. So let's talk about Malmo then. And they're, well, they're a bit of a boring side, aren't they? Seven matches played, scored eight goals, conceded one. They're not exactly involved in many high-scoring contests either, but they get the job done. 2-0 win against uh, Mialbi at the weekend. They got the the nil nil at uh, Hammerby. They've got a lot of injuries at the moment, haven't they, Malmo as well? So they're kind of doing quite well in that crisis. Got a big midweek match coming up against Icor, uh, and Icor themselves have won four in a row. So those two sides are certainly lurking immediately behind Hammerby and um, and looking quite strong at the moment. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the big thing to talk about probably is. Um... I mean, where do you want to start, Steve? You've named quite a few teams. Right? I have done that. Let's start with AAK, actually, because there was a big match against... I mean, AECOR against EFCOR. That's one of the big rivalries in the whole country, isn't it? Um, both uh, historically and, uh, and and all that. So, I mean, it was, it was a 1-0 uh, win for, for AECOR and um, a really important result for them. Yeah, AAK sort of looking quite good at the moment. Um I thought it was, I thought the game against uh, I thought they should have won it by more actually I felt that they were quite wasteful um, I think they kind of dominated the match I mean the, the, the big talking point really here for EF Core is um, to be a sign was dropped now during the Kalmar EF Core Yotaburg game last week um, I mentioned that obviously at half time they were um, they were actually winning but there was a bust up a training a dressing room bust up at half time between to be a sign and Mickey Stara and he was taken off, I think, in that game. And he's not played since. He's not even trained since, apparently. Um, there's been talks of a personal issue between the manager and player. I think there's a lot of little things going on behind the scenes at EF Core. Apparently, to be a signer, uh, liked a tweet or liked a Instagram post from someone saying that Mika Starr should lose his job. Um, and in general, there's been rumours that you know the, the, ta- the players aren't happy with the tactics there. Um, EF Corp now lost three straight against Malmo, uh, Kalmar and AIK. And obviously the big news before that game was uh, Hussein Karnil, the 18-year-old uh, Afghan refugee. He, he arrived in, in Gothenburg from Afghanistan with his family and he's a huge talent from their academy and he got his first start for the club um, in place of Tamir Saima. But, but generally speaking, AIK I thought were quite good. Um, and... I, f- I felt like maybe they should have won this game by a little bit more. Obviously, it was a header from uh, Milosevic, you know, typical set piece from AIK. 
I mean, they do frustrate me a little bit at times. I think they are a bit, you know, they're not really my favourite team to watch, I'm going to be honest with you, but they're a little bit ponderous in going forward. You've never been a big fan of watching them, have you? Really, they're good defensively, but they're they're very ponderous going forward. I feel like they um they really lack a bit of a final ball at times. I thought Stefanelli was hugely wasteful in this game. Um, it's always like kind of that just last pass, you know, from Stefanelli. He kind of embodies it. You know, they, they get to a good areas in the build up play, and then they just play a, a bad ball or take a shot where they shouldn't. It's really like if you watch a team like Man City, for example, they're the total opposite. You know, they, they always rush the last pass, um, and so. That kind of was what happened in this game. Really, they got into a lot of good areas, but don't don't finish it off. Um, but it was enough in the end. EFQ didn't really offer much going forward. They had a couple of chances, but uh, nothing really good enough to to get a point. So one 0 win for AIK, and that obviously takes them, uh, you know, to to within a sort of a uh, few places yeah. of, of Hamilton. Third place now, one point behind them. T- to be honest, I mean Malmo and AIK have never really been a great watch for me either in the last few years i mean in, in meat terms they're kind of like a, a good solid piece of rump steak very very solid when really you're kind of craving out for a bit of uh fear meaning on or something <laughs> you know what i mean i mean respect them but you're right from a, like a neutral point of view it's like you know what you're gonna get there's gonna be a lot of one nils two nils in there ponderous is a very good word i think that you use but nevertheless effective and um I'm not going to moan this week because in the House Fenskin Fantasy, I've gone with my partner Bush Chip. I've got a bunch of Malmo and uh, I core defenders in there. So nil-nil will do me nicely on um, in the midweek round. And they've already delivered with two clean sheets. So, yes. Um, but, I mean, Aiko, I said for a while, I think they can be a title contender if they sort their away form out. I'm still not convinced by them on the road. Um, you know, uh, I think they've had one win. That was a gift. I mean, one swallow doesn't make... Uh, uh, summer does it so um you know i need more from them there but i think if they can sort their um their waveform out then then it could be a bit i mean this is a big match coming up though in uh in the arsvenskin midweek round i'm not sure why is it because of the european fixtures in in the summer or something uh the, the rescheduling i against malmo i mean to me it reeks of a, a very low scoring match I'm, i've seen these fixtures before and not much tends to happen in them um so how do you see it going to be fair aik when they're at home to mamo it actually produces a fair amount of goals in the past i think it was a 2-2 a few seasons ago um i think last season i believe it finished one all i might be right in saying uh just have to double check that but they've already played each other this season surprisingly yeah well they lost three nil yeah so um yeah it's a bit strange that they've had some games like that but yeah last Mm -hmm. season i'm right in saying it was one all uh during a burger and then an own goal so actually, to be fair, it's normally Malmo at home to ARK where it's like one nil, just a solid like defeat for, for ARK. Um, but the home game tends to be a bit more lively. Malmo have got big problems at the moment. Um, they've got a lot of injuries, so many injuries. I mean, I watched the game against Miami, and to be fair to them, their their sort of new look team did, did well. You know, they broke down Miami. I thought they might struggle in this game. I thought Miami might park the bus and uh, you know hold them out. But to be fair to them, Berman Savage came back from uh, from an injury. Um, and he scored a wonderful goal, a uh, three ball from Nanasi and a lovely outside the boot finish. Um, and also uh, Abubakari, header from a set piece. Uh, fair play to him getting in there because he's not had much game time. He's kind of a bench player. Um, but even in this match, I mean, they had three injuries, Steve. Uh, you know, they're mm-hmm. calling them muscle injury FF at the moment instead of Malmo FF because, um, <laughs> you know, Levicki went off in the 24th minute. 
uh, Darlene, the goalkeeper, went off at half time, which was a detriment to my fantasy team. Um, gutted about that. But, you know, they, they've got so many injuries at the moment. They've got Tiki's Italian's been out. Um, Solomon Reeks has been out. They've had uh, Rakips out. Obviously, bad news with Adi Nalic. Jack Rule out for the whole season. Really, really, really bad news for him. Uh, they've got so many injuries. Berg gets out injured. Aikite um, has been, is uh, doubtful, isn't he? Uh, Isaac Keys Italian. Yeah, yeah, I just said that. I don't know if you, don't know if you listened to me, but uh, <laughs> oh, there's, been, there's so many injuries it kind of went over my head, mate. <laughs> yeah, this, I did it's, say it's that, a long, so. it's a long list, is this one? Yeah, they got you know, and they've got three more now. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen for that game. Um, you know, for Aik, they've had a few injuries as well. Mikhail Lustig, he might be back, but um, yeah, it's gonna gonna be a huge game in terms of the title race. I think that Malmo haven't been great, but again, they're just getting that job done. I mean, if you look at you look at Hammerby, it's almost like they're squeezing every last drop out of them and they're still kind of just one point above Malmo which kind of is a bit ominous because I don't think Malmo are necessarily playing hugely well uh, with all the injuries they have but they've only conceded one goal all season um, which is incredible in seven games so yeah uh, tough to predict that game but um, I think it's going to I think it might be actually quite a good game I could actually see Aikor winning that you know one one nil or something they're very strong at home really strong home team and this might be a good time to get Malmo with the injuries. So I could actually see them winning it. Home. But yeah, it'd be a, a crucial, a crucial tight uh, match. And um, we will move on. We're going to move on to uh, Jorgan because they have played uh, eight matches this season, uh, along with Helsingborg. I actually watched that game uh, on, I think it was on Thursday, uh, Diff 2, Helsingborg 2. And they followed it up with a nil-nil draw uh, away to Elfsborg Monday evening. Interesting side at the moment. It's, things are not quite, they're not very rosy in this garden, are they, really? Um, it's not that bad, but there's a few questionable performances. You're all right, the managers are maybe under a little, under a little bit of pressure as well. Yeah, there's been a bit of, um, I mean, I don't know if you could say all is not well at Diff, but certainly... Mm. I don't think they're necessarily doing amazingly well this season. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the Helsingborg game, yeah, I mean, my, my feeling with the Gilgarden is that they're a little bit flaky. I mean, they, 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 they drew this evening 0-0 with Elfsborg away from home. It's a good point away from home, to be fair. But they they, they, they missed a huge chance from Edvardsson. Uh, six yards out, hit the post. Um, you've got to score those chances. It's an unbelievable miss, really, in my opinion. Um, the game was actually stopped because of a fire alarm, so... You know, there's also anytime I watch your garden, it seems like the game has stopped for some reason at some point. Um, you know, I didn't even know what was going on to be honest, and uh, I had to come on Twitter to find out what, what had actually happened. But you know, everyone went off the pitch and people were standing around. Um, but yeah, yeah, and you know, you I just feel like your garden are not, you know, Kim Bergstrand's been, you know, they've got the joint managers, obviously. Bergstrand's been criticized a little bit recently for some comments he's made in, in press conferences and that, you know, kind of. Um, I best guess the best way to describe it is kind of salty, you know, a bit of salty comments after matches, a bit like a Jurgen Klopp type thing, you know, where you don't get your way and then you're criticizing everybody else. Um, so they're just, you know, they're just not really firing on all cylinders. They've had a couple of injuries themselves. Um, but yeah, I think they're kind of they're kind of ticking along. They're not they've not been terrible. They're still, I think, trying to get the balance right of this team. Um, but it's not necessarily, you know, they're sixth place at the moment, four points off the top. They've obviously played a game more than everybody else. So they do need to kind of um, try and keep the pace. 
but they're not you know too far behind the money so you can't really be too critical no no i, I watched that helsingborg game and they brought in joel asoro to start and his finishing was terrible to be honest um i wasn't impressed with his finishing however i i liked his movement and i liked the positions he was getting in i think he offered more in that respect than Edvarsson. and i'll be honest Edvarsson's disappointed me he had a good first match but i mean that was against Degafors. but since then i think he's he's really disappointed me a lot um i can't put my finger on what's going wrong exactly maybe we were expecting too much of him but i think he really should be scoring more goals he's not converting his chances i'm not sure he's getting in the right positions either he, he drifts a lot and i'm not sure they want that from uh necessarily a striker a number nine type striker what were your thoughts on Edvarsson this season yeah, I've not rated him. I mean, I think the last free show we did, I, I, I suggested that, you know, he's uh, talking too much. And the ARK players after that, that Stockholm derby said the same. You know, they, they described him as sort of um, king in the village, but a, a farmer in the city. Uh, he actually tweeted after the game, uh, after the, I think it was a Helsingborg game. Uh, he actually tweeted calling himself a farmer, saying the farmer's doing all right. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's very keen to sort of engage on social media and, and, and talk. Um I'm not sure how comfortable I am with that as a, as a as a new player at a big club. I feel like he's getting sucked into distractions. You know, all right, it's a bit of banter and it's a bit of fun, I, th- I think, but I don't think he's performing well enough to be sort of making jokes and stuff like that. He just seems to be every single game. He seems to be the one doing an interview afterwards. He talks a lot. He even came. He talked after this Elfsborg game and said, you know, he's very self-critical and he and he admits that he should have scored that goal and. He said he's not really playing maybe as well as he wants to be playing. But, you know, it's just constantly talking. Um, this isn't Degafors, you know. I, I, f- I feel like the summer transfer room, well, I feel like that winter transfer room was because he was linked with so many different clubs. I'm not sure if he's really sort of just parked that in the corner of his mind and thought, right, now I'm, I've chosen my club. And I think those rumours maybe got to his head a little bit and it's, it's kind of swelled his head out, in my opinion. Or maybe that's just his character in general. I don't know him, obviously, personally. I just feel like do your talking on the pitch for now and then talk, you know, you can start giving those comments when you're, when there's Latin, can't you? Talking about that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, in terms of, you know, so I'm not, I'm not massively convinced with advice yet, I'll be honest, uh, as, a, as a forward, I think he's got more to do. Then again, to be fair to him, he's, he's what, got, what's he got? Three goals, two assists, you know, in, in eight games, not bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of Kim Bergstrand, we do have to talk about that as well because he actually apologised for his comments uh, after the game. Um, he was quite critical of the discovery reported Gillen Otlu, and it caused a big stir on social media. He also criticised Joel Osoro, saying, you know, he's not scoring goals. Um, so he did actually apologise after the match and said, uh, you know, sorry about the interview and um, the way he spoke came out in the wrong way. So, you know, fair enough. He did, um, he did hold his hands up, but it just kind of gives a little bit of a hint about the way things are going at, at Uruguay. And by the way, Maybe the reason he held his hands up afterwards was because the Friday morning after that game, uh, that interview was actually discussed internally, according to um, according to reports in the media. Um, the club CEO, Henrik Bergman, actually said that they had a meeting about that, the comments from King Bergstrom. And that's never a good sign, is it, if they're having a sort of club meeting about the manager. So just a few little things that are maybe not great there for different. I feel like King Bergstrom has had to hold his hands up quite a lot in the last 12 months or 18 months. Careful. He, just, just be careful which hand he's holding up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? This is no, not, no, you're right. 
this is this is not an isolated incident now. He is quite outspoken and that concerns me. Um that he, you know, if he you can say things, but this is I don't see where the the positive side of this at all. What reaction is he getting in a positive way from the team? I think it's affected them negatively now. And um I, I'm worried a little bit for, for, for Diff. Um I quite like Haksabanovic. I've been impressed with his performances recently, but something is lacking on the field, maybe off the field as well. And, uh, you know, it might be the time that we discussed that this dual manager thing, or certainly one of the managers there, might be uh, better off putting uh, out to seed. Yeah, I would go along with that, to be fair. I think, um, you know, ultimately... I, I don't. I just don't get the sense he's got the best reputation. There's a lot of criticism no. of him on social media, and that's always just a bit of a distraction, really. And uh, as I say, if the, if your club chairman and your owners are having a meeting about you, you, you never want your, you never want you, you never want to draw attention to of your bosses to you, do you? So, um, <laughs> let's see how things go in the coming weeks. Uh, just before we move on, um, we're staying in Stockholm. There's been a transfer confirmed uh, to Icor in the summer. Do believe a big name yes uh all that all the transfer rumors in the in the you know pre-season uh the deal didn't get quite over the line at that point but it has been announced now this week that john guadetti will be joining aok in the summer i think from july the first big big signing obviously jordan larson won't be sticking around it looks like he will move on in the summer and um i suppose guadetti will come in this is his uh his replacement i mean jordan larson's funnily enough he's been playing as a kind of as a number 10 which has been quite interesting to, to see, really. He's playing more as almost a playmaker um, with Bahui and Stefanelli, kind of the two forwards. So I don't know if that's a tactic or if I don't know if Larson's sort of adjusted his position since the days of Nor shopping, but um, since he went to Russia. But yeah, yeah, I guess Guadetti will come in. Guadetti's a, you know, he's a number nine. So I imagine, you know, Stefanelli might have some competition there or Bahui, but um, it's a homecoming for Guadetti. Obviously, they had the you know, AIK quite good on social media. They put out a a video of him when he was a kid at AIK and, and sort of said welcome home and very nice sort of way they handled it. Uh, I quite like their social media AIK to be fair to them. Um but yeah Gudetti will come back. I mean at this level he's a he's a he's a big player. He he should be getting a lot of goals. He's been in Spain in La Liga and um he, you know he don't forget he's one of the players who helped Sweden win the uh, under twenty one Euros in twenty fifteen alongside like mm-hmm. Victor Lindelof and others. So he's got a huge reputation. He's hugely popular in Sweden from that point of view. So, um, yeah, welcome back to John Guidetti. I'm looking forward to seeing how he gets on, actually, because I think uh, he could be... I mean, he's... I don't want to be too critical, critical of Edvardsson, but he is kind of the player Edvardsson wants to be, in my opinion. Guidetti is a proper player yeah. um, in this day. So I'd be very keen to see how they get on, because obviously that, that Stockholm rivalry, I could imagine Guidetti and Edvardsson having a little bit of, uh, a little bit of beef for the next uh, Stockholm derby. We will talk about a big match down at the bottom of the table soon, but um, just a, a quick word about Norshipping, uh, Jonathan, because we've not really talked about them much this season since the season started. They got off to a rough start, but they are now one of the form teams in the league, won three in a row and kind of, uh, I mean, I've, no one still is really talking about them that much, are they? But uh, a little bit of a renaissance, a bit of a recovery for, for Norshipping. What's been the key? Yeah, I think they deserve some credit. Um, you know, Christopher Neiman's come back, come in, and you know he's doing really well. Uh, he scored the winner obviously against Helsingborg uh, this evening, just gone. And you know, in general, I think that um, 
they they started to get that 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 balance right. The 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 big thing I think really is uh, is is Ricard Norling. I think he I think mm. he deserves credit again. You know, he got the criticism in the early part of the season. They've had a lot to deal with with the you know the illness of Chris, Christopher Kazani. But the biggest thing is, Ricard Norling's abandoned his abandoned his all his ideas and he, he's changed his tactics completely. Um, he's been a sort of a man-to-man player in the past and he's chosen instead to play a bit of a deeper deeper lower block uh, the team's a bit more compact and you know they've started to get results with it um you know the, the club was not really happy i don't think with the season last season they didn't really have an amazing year um they're trying to finish higher this season and they've had a terrible start but um yeah he, he he's kind of changed the game model as i say and he's got praise for it um Jonathan Lever actually has said uh you know, we, we back Ricard 100%. And, you know, he's basically come out and said, um, he said, with all due respect to them, he, he, he's changed his game model and he's put in the new foundations and, and we've adapted to get the most out of it. And uh, he said that this is something the players also believe in. So he, he said that it wasn't the player's idea, it was Norling's idea, but that the players have adjusted and that they are now playing quite well. So um, it tells you a lot that, you know, Norling's had to sit back, uh, change his style, and it's worked to quite a good effect so far. Former league winner, of course, you've got to give him respect for that one. And, uh, you know, bad start of the season, but they seem to be moving in the right direction now. And talking of bad starts of the season, it doesn't get any worse than Degaforce, did it? Six defeats in a row. And then they were 2 0 down against Gift Sunsval with how many minutes left? Was it six minutes left? Or something ridiculous like that. Not many minutes, maybe ten minutes left um, uh, on in the Monday evening match, and they've they've gone they've gone to GIF and they've won. They've won three goals to two. Um, a hat trick, a six minute hat trick has been scored by uh, Saeed. Uh, is it at Degger Forge there? Saidi, sorry. Um, they were yeah, they were two 0 down with seven minutes to go, and they won three two. Degger Forge. I mean, this is bonkers, isn't it? I, I always had this theory in any league across the world that when two poor teams play against each other, you want to be back in over two and a half goals a lot of the time, either ending these wild matches or a terrible nil-nil. There's nothing in between usually. Uh, and this kind of summed it up. I mean, this is madness, isn't it? Yeah, I think... Um, I mean, I've not seen this game, so to be fair, I can't, it's hard for me to comment. But at the end of the day, uh, it's, we haven't talked about the 6 nil. I mean, uh, I can't still get over that. Lost, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the beating that Elsborg gave them, one of the biggest beatings I've ever seen in Ospenska, to be honest. It's up there with the Hacken, uh, you know, the 6-1 when uh, AIK beat Hacken 6-1. I was at that game in 2017. Um, probably the worst performance I've ever seen from an Ospenska team, that uh, Degrafort <laughs> side against Elsborg. If anyone listened to the show a couple of weeks ago, I actually called this. I said that Degrafort had been horrible. Um, and that was before the six. Disgrace, you called them, didn't so, you? <laughs> yeah. So I did say I'm not going to call out some of their players, but you know, after that six <laughs> nil, uh, I was sharpening my knives. But fair play to them, you know, they turned it round. Um, like I said, I've not seen this game, so I can't comment. But Said, he's a, a decent player. Um, I mean, he's only playing because of the uh, suspension to Nikola Djurjic. Djurjic got sent off in that six nil, um, and it was quite comical, really, because at half time of the game. I think they were four 0 down at half time, and he, he he punched the um, advertising holding when he was being interviewed. He called the whole team um, fucking not good enough, quote unquote. Excuse my language. 
Oh, and, I saw um, that. Yeah, he, he, he just went mad. lost it, didn't he? And yeah. then in the second half, he just, you know, he just lost his lost the plot, got two yellows, and he was off. So, um, so he's probably maybe only playing that whole, you know, playing a part in it because of the um, the suspension there up front. But yeah, they've they've done well. They, I mean, I, I funnily enough, Steve, I think this is a huge result in in the relegation battle. I know it's early days, but I think that is a huge blow for Gisunsvall. Um, they've only got three points so far this season, one win from seven. Uh, obviously, the keeper, they've lost him as well. They had that whole controversy um, with Oscar Lina. Uh, you know, Degafors had zero points before this game. And if Gisunsvall had held on to that 2 0 lead, they'd have had six points to, to Degafors zero. It's now three and three. Mm. And for all that Degafors have been terrible, Gifts are no, not much better uh, in terms of results. So, although it is early days, I, I think that could be—I don't want to say fatal for Gifts but I think they might look back at that and end the season and say that was a really, really, really bad game to throw away. I'm just looking at an XG graph for this game. This is on a Twitter account called at XG Data. It's really good. He does stuff for England, Sweden, Norway, and Gifts. XG for this game is 3.36 to Degafors 1.99. And um, it looks like Degafors have kind of fluked it, really. Like, I think before they scored a goal, their XG is just one. So GIF have completely dominated this game. I listened to the interview that the assistant manager, Brian Clowhart, who we had on the show a couple of years ago, uh, gave. And uh, he's like, well, we played really well for 80, 90% of the game. And then they, they asked him what went wrong. And he said, well, it's bloody obvious what went wrong. You know, we conceded three goals in, in the last seven minutes. It, it seems like one of these ridiculous turnarounds, but it can, it could completely change the season for both sides, like you said. Um, I mean, Ila Tupa scored twice there for Sunswell. He looks like a good signing, but you can't be losing matches when you're 2-0 up after 83 minutes, Jonathan. So they've only got themselves to blame. It could be big ramifications. I mean, both sides don't look very good full stop, do they? But... Degafors will take the three points there and, and move on. Yeah, I mean, for, for Degafors, it's huge. You know, they, they came out of that last game, the 6-0, and it was like the sky was falling in. I think the I think the chairman um, or the sports manager of the club said it was unacceptable. And there was a huge cloud hanging over the over the club after that. Um, so this is a big, you know, big relief. Huge win to win it as well, like that late on, come back from behind. Very, very big win. So, um, just before we go, I've got to mention our Svenskin Fantasy. A bit of a mental week. I think everyone was using some sort of chip, whether it be the part of the bus or double captains or the Lone Rangers um, thing. But um, Degaforge, next two games, have got Helsingborg at home and they've got Varberg away. After that, they've got Malmo and Aikor. But I can't even believe I'm asking you this question. Can you... Could you suggest someone from the Deck of Fours fantasy team that you could look at for those two fixtures? Well, I think you know this is like agent agent wiss, isn't this? This is, this is like you ask me the questions with you get your notebook out and start writing down notes, and then next thing you know, you look at my I look at your fantasy team and you you've got all my suggestions. Saidi is five point four million, right? He scored nineteen points tonight, or in seven minutes probably. <laughs> now I can. You know, I mean, I mean. I mean, I know you have, you know, you, you play more chips than Ronald McDonald. I know that for sure. Every time I look at your team, you've played a chip. Uh, you, you've done well to catch me up, to be fair. But, you know, you've now you've now played all your cards. You've played a chip as um, well, though, this week. 
right? I have, yeah, yeah. It's gone terribly. But anyway, let's not talk about that. But um, but yeah, no, I think Degafor's best player for me is is Gravius, uh, in the midfield. In terms of the games I've seen this season, anyway, he's been he's been their best player. Um, I do like Gravius. I think he's he's the only one so far that's come out with any credit. Um, Lindell got two assists for Degafor, so you could look at him for your team maybe. Uh, I like Ila Tupa. I think you talked about him just now. Mm. He was in my tent to watch. Uh, all fans can tend to watch, of yeah. course, on Patreon, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. I thought that he would have a good season. Um, the former AIK man, and he's, he's looking good. I, I do worry for GIF. I think they are not getting the rewards for their efforts because I think they've been quite good at times. Um, they go to Nor Shopping this coming weekend. Uh, and then their next game after that is home to Mayalby. But yeah, in terms of Degafors, I mean, I can't guarantee they're not beating next weekend. I, I still think they're a poor side. Um, I would say that they're the worst team I've seen this season uh, at the moment. And I stick by that, to be honest. So yeah. until I see this game and the, the comeback, I can't comment too much on it. But yeah. um, for me, Degafors are the worst team in the league up to as of today. I, I think that's it for the show. I'm just looking for some questions. No one asked you a question. Right. Sweden this week. Come on, guys. You've relegated me to part three on the show this... now as well. We need we need some questions for Jonathan for the next You're relegating time. me to part three behind Denmark and now this, you know. <laughs> I might have to hand my notice in. Go back to the Guardian. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well we'll we'll have to we'll have you on top billing next time. How about <laughs> that? We'll have you on top billing next time. But yeah, do send any questions in for Jonathan. And um yeah, that's gonna be it for the show. That's uh, thank you very much as always, my friend. Thank you very much to Henry, and um, once again, thanks to all our patrons out there. We'll endeavour to do better with our selections this week on the preview show. But um, yeah, that's all pretty much I've got to say for this one, John. Yep, thank you. We'll be back with a weekend preview, as uh, as we mentioned on Patreon, and uh, next week, of course, we'll we'll have another show. So, yep, thanks for all your quest- listener questions. Really appreciate it to everyone who tweeted us at Nordic Football. And uh, thanks, of course, to Henry for, for joining us for Denmark. Well, take everyone. Goodbye. See you again soon. Stay safe. <laughs>